Hi, Cindy. How are you today? Hi, Gary. I'm good. Good. I'm very well. How about yourself? Very, very well. I'm excited about today's show. We have one of my favorite people in the world, and uh, she's been kind enough to agree to do the show with us. And uh, we have Suze Montgomery, one of the uh, outstanding people of our community, a longtime activist. And uh, she, uh, well, let me let me just go through a couple of things here. She's been a, a advocate for seniors, and this is something near and dear to my heart. I uh, am also a great admirer of our older generation. Now that I am one, especially. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. <laughs> and uh, but she's been a, a advocate for seniors uh, for years, and uh, she even created an encore uh, program for seniors to do computer training. She was named. One of the 2017 Women of the Year by Hannah Beth Jackson. She was on Hannah Beth Jackson's Select Committee on Aging. And uh, she was well known to the Ventura community for her Schmooze with Sue's TV program, and uh, which earned her numerous awards. And uh, sad to say, she's been fighting for the past few years with uh, cancer. And she's in the fourth recurrence of stage four breast cancer. So... I just wanted to have her in to talk about everything that Sue's and everything about life. And uh, how are you feeling today? Uh, it, this cancer is completely different from the other three, Gear. This one is like one day I feel relatively okay. I mean, you know, if you have cancer, you're never feeling great. But the next day you're in bed all day. And you never know. It, you know, I think I'm on a, somewhat of a time clock. I don't know if other cancer people go through this. But you get up in the morning and you run like hell to get everything done you can because you know you're going to crash. So I do the yard work. I'm in the kitchen. I'm, you know, cleaning up after John. John's a wonderful caretaker. But, <laughs> but, I, but still I'm picking up and I'm doing everything I can to keep on going. I think as long as I have a purpose and a reason to get up to do stuff, I'm going to live. So I've kind of changed my mind recently about this because I, the first when you're first told you have cancer for the fourth time since 1972, you kind of look at it and you go, okay, well, I guess I better start making plans and I'm going to die. Well, within the last two or three months, I'm going, wait a minute, I, I got stuff to do. I can't really quit. So, how are you feeling today? Um, today, okay. I mean, some days I just really feel crappy. I mean, it, it's all, you know, I never know. Because some days I get up and I go, okay, I'm going to get as much done as I possibly can today. I've got a lot. I get up very early anyway, like 4.30, o'clock. And I go to bed whenever. I don't have a time clock. Uh, so circadian rhythm, I don't know anything about. You know, I've heard about it, but I don't know anything about it. You're famous for your cooking and baking. Are you still enjoying that? Yeah. Well, I'm an ex-professional chef, yes. which you probably don't know. Of. Uh, I was sent to culinary school when I was in high school for every year of my uh, high school career because it was that or reform school. I was one of those kids. So they had a kid on their hands that was always in trouble. I mean, again, the family humor. My mom was at school more often than I was. and I. But I was a good student. I was a straight-A student. I was just probably, I needed more stimulation than they gave me. 
and I was very lucky because I went to, I had uh, a great education. My parents really went out, and all four of us, I've got three brothers younger than I, and we all were trained either by nuns, uh, a few uh, lay people, a few, um, I don't know, uh, people that, you know, from Loyola that came over. College now, where was this? In San Fernando Valley. Mm-hmm. So I probably, in my thinking, I'm more of a, um, probably a liberal thinker, mm -hmm. and my politics follow the same way, mm -hmm. and so I'm pretty engaged in politics as well. Mm -hmm. I'm currently the vice chair of the Democratic Club here in town, mm -hmm. but I'm probably left of the Democratic Club. Mm -hmm. I'm an old 60s kid. <laughs> so, you know, old 60s kid, I was arrested for protesting. I got beat on with the head by clubs up in Berkeley. I mean, I used to drag my kids to protests. My kids were, uh, they went to San Onofre with me. I mean, they were little at the time. I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, this is what I do. You old know, this is the way I believe. Old 60s radical. I am. I, you know, and one of my professors, uh, luckily, was, uh, I had Angela Davis. And she really inspired me. Oh, my God. Yeah, she inspired me. I got this close to being communist. I almost, <laughs> in fact, when John and I were in Italy, we went to uh, where my grandmother's from, Noshera, which is outside of uh, Naples. And they had a demonstration there by the uh, the communists. And I looked at John. I didn't even say anything. I just hold my purse. I'm gone. And I went and marched with the communists. Good for I you. Go, I always wanted to do that. Yeah. That was like a big deal to me. Uh, so, yeah. So while we're talking about your family, uh, the name of our show is Daddy Never Cried. We talked about fathers all the time. Uh, Tell us about your father. This is a... I'm glad you asked about this subject because I've not talked about this. Uh, my father... Uh, was 35 when he died. Mm. My mom was uh, about a year or two years younger, and my dad had a thing called chronic nephritis, which is a kidney disease. Mm -hmm. In 1956, when he died, there was no dialysis, there mm. was no transplant, there was no drugs, there was nothing. Mm. And my mom just got tired, and she had mental illness, and she just didn't she couldn't go to any more doctor appointments with my dad because every one of them were negative. Everyone mm -hmm. were saying, go home and pack up. You know, Especially for it. somebody so young. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, his life was just starting. With children. And I, I was the only child at the time. I was oh. eight years old. And then my, and my mom, well, he died. And then two years later, my mom remarried my stepfather, who was a lot different and so I had three, uh, she had three sons with him, and those are my, I consider them brothers. So what would you say is the difference between your biological father and your stepfather? Uh, a lot of things. Alcohol was one. <laughs> my, my stepfather was Irish, and he drank a little. And he smoked about three and a half packs of Campbell's a day. He lasted until 92 or 93. <laughs> well, but, yeah. that's a lesson for us to learn, right? Really, you know. What's start, the lesson? Start smoking. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he it was different. They were totally different personalities. Mm -hmm. I think my mother married my stepfather because of most women of the time in the 50s, you know, that time, security conscious. She wanted somebody right. that had a real good job, and right. he had a good job, so she wanted to be assured that it's she important. would have a living. Yeah. yeah. So it was important. Mm -hmm. And my regular, my real father was an artist mm -hmm. and uh, gave me whatever creativity I have, and I don't think I have much. Mm. I'm more of an analytical, left-brain thinker, 
and the right side where the right I believe the right side is where you're supposed to be creative I don't have but much. you appreciate art I've seen oh. you just even in this room yeah I look I uh, my dad who the one that died mm-hmm. good good notice on that one because he taught me how to look for things mm-hmm. and I look like if I go to the Norton Simon or mm-hmm. somewhere else another uh, you know uh, Mocha or somewhere else I look for hands mm-hmm. and I always see hands and I look for the uh, the you know natural part of the hand. You know, the hands should be wrinkled. Nobody's got a flawless hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, look at all the you know the lines in my hands. The same thing. I look for that, and I look for coloration. Another great person to do that I studied was uh, John Singer Sargent. Mm-hmm. And now I love John Nava's work because mm-hmm. John Nava captures the luminescence of skin tones and light. Mm-hmm. He captures it perfectly. And he's alive and he's living in our... Oh, wait. Oh, hi. He's great. Mm-hmm. He's local. So mm-hmm. you're a receptive artist. You, re- you receive that that the is? art. You receive it. Not an expressive. You're not making it. No, I can't. Yourself, but receiving it. You're on it and that came from your dad. I guess so. I guess you'd say that's like probably it. true. Yeah, Maybe because so. I never really thought about that much. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty deep. That's pretty deep for me. To mm. And then, and then at age eight, you lost your biological father. Right. And how long before? Uh, two less than two years. My mom remarried. Mm. Probably, I, I'm sure. And he wasn't a bad person. Mm. He wasn't an evil person. But he was totally different. And uh, and when you. Talk yeah. about him. You shake your head no, as though this wasn't really a very good fit for you. It was you. not a good fit for me. Mm. Because I was just, you know, somebody that just lost their father. And it also mm. experienced the death of him through the, and that's why the father is important. Going through the whole death of him, all those years, knowing he was dying, but never knowing when it was going to be. And that's kind of like I make the connection and the parallel with today. Mm-hmm. So I am dying, mm-hmm. but I don't know when. Mm-hmm. This time I have a lymph, uh, I've got cancer of the colon and also the stomach. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to move up into my throat. Mm-hmm. So it affects my speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it affects my swallowing. So mm-hmm. no more. My favorite meal from going to City Hall and fighting, because I do all the time, is popcorn and a rye. Mm. I mean, that seems to be the perfect because I'm like, I need to crunch on something. <laughs> and the rye brings me back a little bit down. But it's got to be the right rye. Good balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got, mm-hmm. And it's all about the taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, I mean, you you have this long, elegant neck that I've always thought oh, was so beautiful. With and, all uh, yes, I still do. Yeah. I still do. Yeah, kind of a gooseneck. <laughs> so your, your memories of your father, uh, I just trying to imagine that... Uh, that age and then trying to adapt to a new father at age 10 or 11. Didn't have a chance to think about it. No, but still that's tough. It's been tougher than that, but that's, that was tough enough. That was, that was a hard one. And my mother and father were Catholic and they were grew, uh, all of us kids went to Catholic schools, you know, Mm -hmm. and the Jesuits too were a great influence on me as well, because that's the way I think. They taught me how to ask questions. They taught me, oh yeah, and never settle for the answer I got. And over, ask another question and finish off the subject and keep on going until you finish. So I was taught this by, in school. I go home and ask my mother, hey, what's for dinner? You know, so like, quit asking me so many questions. And so, in, or at school, don't ask the question because generally my professors or student, teachers didn't know the answer to. Well, 
I turned that around because I'm a teacher, you know, mm-hmm. I, I educate. And I think to myself, okay, I can do that too, but I'm going to make the kid art, in this case, 85-year-old to 107, which are the age of my students, mm-hmm. do their research, and I do my research, and then we compare notes. Oh, we all learn. Yeah. So you're all going on an adventure together. Yeah. And the questions are the stepping stones. They are. We're going to the point where, it, like, I teach a food class, and a food class is all about the chemistry of the food, what's in the food, what the nutritional value of the food is, where does it uh, originate from, Did it cro- when did it cross the big pond? I mean, this is a college-leveled class, but I figure by 85, yeah, I don't know, something, right? So... I teach my eighth. They love this class. And the bonuses, I make whatever I'm talking about. Say it's eggplant. I make a caponata. I'll make a dish with eggplant in it. And then I then I always get a laugh when I'll say something like, because I always have to be inappropriate. Inappropriate. I told you I was going to be inappropriate. Good. Good. Okay. Finally, we've been waiting for this moment. Inappropriate is what my middle name. Because I think I'm still rebellious, even at 73. But it makes me an inquisitive person. So it, I ask uh, the inappropriateness is probably because uh, eggplant has gender, and you probably didn't realize that. There is a female and an a- ma- male eggplant. And if you go to, say, Vons, you know that after I tell you how to tell, you'll be able to tell to buy a male or a female eggplant and why. And the reason for it is because the female has a bunch of more seeds. The males do not. The females are indented on the bottom, if you get my drift. Yeah. And the males have a protuberance, if you get my drift. So you can see that, too. So I get some sex in there, too. Now, I'm curious, when you, you've worked with seniors for so long, and what lessons have you learned from seniors that uh, maybe help you now? Or Great question, Gare, because I learned life from them. I... I I grew up with them. I, they became 300 of my kids, so to speak, because they are teaching me more than I'm ever going to teach them. So they're teaching me life, how to handle difficult situations. You know, they're teaching me responses. They're teaching me go slower. Well, well that's a very tough thing for somebody like me to learn is go slower. So I've learned a lot, too, from them. I've taught. Uh, they've taught me... How to appreciate more, too. They, they've given me life. The, the parenting I did not receive because they didn't live long enough, I received in my classroom. So right. I have all these parents, 300 parents. What drew you to working with seniors in the first place, do you think? This is a damnedest story. Uh, when I was hired by the school district 20, over 20 years ago, I was actually running the local... TV station for four months when we lost our executive director. Right. And he left in the middle of the night with a U-Haul. Wow. He found paperwork in his desk drawer that indicated that if the station failed, it was going to be owned by somebody else, namely the city of Ventura. And that was wrong to me. So I decided, okay, so I was able to triple the uh, membership in three years, uh, three months, and then went back to my regular job, which was teaching seniors. And the way I was given the job, my girlfriend saw me and she goes, you'd be a great teacher. And I go, I have no patience for teaching. That the <laughs> kid, I hate kids. I mean, I'm not real nuts about my great-grandchildren. They can stay for X amount of time and they have to leave. 
I know. Gary's like, his hands are over his eyes. <laughs> but I told you I was going to be open with this. Sure. And uh, they're cute kids. Mm-hmm. No, thanks. And small doses. Very. <laughs> so I learned how to deal with, uh, with that as well. And I, I learned so many lessons from these older people. And then I started developing my own curriculum because there was no curriculum for older adults in the state of California. I created it. I did not know I did it, but I got awards for it. And I'm going, but this just is common sense. This is yeah. people that need to be, you know, they're most, of, in fact, almost all of my students are in nursing home situations or assisted living. Mm-hmm. I don't have anybody that lives on the outside unless they come to our class, like it's a kid of a senior, and the parent dies, the kid stays because the kids find it so interesting. Oh. It's 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 a college class, but it's, it's better. Like they it's inherit life. it. They, they inherit, inherit the job. Yeah. yeah. So I've got just about all ages in my class. Really? Yeah. Not just seniors, but it started out with seniors, and the majority of the people are seniors, and a lot of them are really wary. They're like, I'm 85. Do I need to learn this crap? No, you don't need to, but what else are you doing at between 1.30 and 3.30 today? Nothing else. So come to class. And I would go down the hallway and yell in a doorway that was open, okay, Fred, get your ass to class. Mm. And, of course, I was irreverent, and that's even better yet. They love that. That's the spice. That is the spice that they love. Mm. Suze, it almost sounds like you're describing a pattern in everything that you've discussed so far. Your father, your mother, your school, your uh, peers, your students, and the world in general. And the pattern Mm. has a lot to do with intimacy, getting to know something at at its elemental level. Not, Not a surface understanding, not a surface introduction, but really dropping down. And I think that's part of... Uh, what I've seen in your tapes of the interviews you've done, you drop down, you drop down and become more and more intimate as time goes on with your food. Where yeah. does it come from? What are the gender? What's the gender of an eggplant? That it would you is that? I agree. I That's a good the... assessment, actually, because I probably am looking to fill in the holes of why I don't have a lot of intimacy because of age or maybe. This is the thing that maybe you can answer. It totally confounds me. Why some of my closest, dearest friends have not contacted me in this last year. Was it pandemic or was it fear of cancer? Maybe fear of, and I know this sounds goofy, but it's occurred to me, maybe they were afraid I was contagious. Whatever it was, that's a new level of intimacy yes, that is. you would like to share with them. Oh, yeah. What's underneath that? Well, Cindy, I'm a wide open person, as you probably picked up in the last 20 minutes. I don't have a lot of secrets in my life. Uh, I feel like we can all, and we are supposed to do this, by the way, learn from each other. And we're here to help each other get through this life. This is a tough life. This is not easy. I mean, some people look like they're having any, I don't think they are. Everybody's got something going on. Mm-hmm. So, so I true. think you're right by assessing. Mm-hmm. That's I think probably that's, what I look uh, We interviewed uh, a fellow this week that had a tragedy in his life, and he was so thankful that we talk, were willing to talk about it. Yeah. And he said so many people don't want to, to look at it, don't want to see it, don't want to talk about it. They just want to look the other way. And... Uh, 
and I think that's uh, in human nature in a lot of ways. It's it's sad, and I think you know. Uh, I was telling Cindy, I I'm uh, not a real emotional person in some ways, and I think that's my superpower. I'm going to start working with hospice because I think I could use that You'd detachment in a way to uh, to be able to take it. To be present. Not to everybody be fully can, present. Can, the ombudsman, by the way, the newest issue of the reporter has an ad looking for ombudsmen, which are hospice people, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, they also take complaints. My girlfriend, she sits on my board. I'm in the chair of the uh, Ventura County Agency on Aging. I've got about 50 people that are on my board. Mm -hmm. It's a little unwieldy, but hey, <laughs> I'm doing that. And I also run the Ventura Count, uh, Council for Seniors, which is the city's arm for seniors. And how I got involved, it's just... I. I just fell into it. I think we all fall into our jobs sure. for the most part. I don't think anybody sets out to do maybe a small percentage of people that say, I'm going to be an engineer. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody does that. Mm -hmm. That's a few people. Yeah, I didn't try to make this about myself. It's just about the, the, the thought, fact that it's this human nature to look away from from something that's uncomfortable. And it's sad because you... Mortality. Any, anybody goes through sickness or uh, disease and uh, you know tragedy their friends yeah. a very small percentage will look them in the eyes and be with them in that on that level Present. yeah or and, even have an understanding of mortality even uh, yeah even a familiarity with that concept mortality well, think about the evening news all you're seeing is ads for people our age or younger or whatever you know maybe 60s or something and they're looking for, for ads to stay alive to stay not impotent, yeah. to stay uh, engaged in living. You know, there's all there's a drug for everything, but there's nothing said about death, mm. and there's nothing said about how do we make the people's last days more comfortable mm -hmm. in hospice. Hospice is a wonderful thing, mm -hmm. and I'm in hospice now, and so hospice comes to visit me once a week, and they come and take my temperature. Mm -hmm. They make sure I'm still breathing. Mm -hmm. They bring me maple bars. By the way, anybody listening, I love maple bars. Uh, <laughs> I never ate maple, and I haven't had since I was a kid because it was contraband, you know. Mm -hmm. But now, but now why not? Why not? Mm -hmm. Eat everything. Yeah, yeah. So, Cindy brought me some. Uh, what kind of bread is it? Well, it's homemade. Yes. Banana date nut. There you go. See? We'll have to get some out here. It's uh, healthy. It's very healthy. Um, Sue. Yeah, go ahead. So, we, so we said the word mortality, and yes. we're talking about um, looking at our own mortality and and that door that's in front of all of us, and and I'm wondering what you can say about the perspective that you have. You see things differently. Something changed. For I you. think I always did, though. Mm. Uh, you know, my grandparents, when I was very little, I lived with them for about a year and a half because my mom was sick. Well, mental illness is sickness, and that's one of the projects I'm working on, too, is to get a real mental health facility in the county of Ventura. We haven't had one since Reagan canceled Amen. our Camarillo. Mm -hmm. We need one, and you know we need one. Everybody knows we need one, but the county doesn't want any of the money. Well, excuse me, Governor Newsom has got a... a filthy, rich budget, and he's also given us the money to do this with. So where's the money, folks? So I'm asking the county, Behavioral Health, Board of Supervisors, all of them, and maybe even, uh, you know, the CEO. 
I asked the DA last week face-to-face. -face, I said, help me with this project. I need to work on uh, senior abuse, financial fraud, and I need to build a mental health facility. Will you help me? And since I helped him run, you know, Eric, mm. I helped Eric run all those years ago for, uh, and I've got two of them are being trained. One of mine just got on council just now. Mm -hmm. That's Mike. You met Mike on uh, Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. I think that we can do that. And because I'm so political and I'm, I'm very good at teaching and training, I think it's because of the patience I had with the seniors. I don't have it with kids. Like I, I said, I just want to point out what happened just now. Oh, what's we, that? We started talking about mortality and perspective and what's in front of you. And your answer was, there are things to be done. And oh, I'm yeah. on it. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a unique perspective. Is it? Yes. I thought it was common. Well, in, in your world, it is. In you, it is. Uh, but I think in the broader world, maybe not so much. I think people... Huh. People who come to, to face immortality often shut down. I hear you turning up the flame. Oh, I'm turning up. <laughs> yeah. She said to me Saturday, she said, and who's going to say good, uh, say no to a dying woman? That's exactly why I'm going to win every one of my issues. Yeah, yeah, and go. I'm going to stand in front of the Board of Supervisors like I did with the California Assembly with a bill that mm -hmm. we had. And uh, I'll just say, you won't say now no to a dying woman. Mm -hmm. And everybody's just so shocked, they vote yes. Yes. Or they just, the way I win my issues, it's not that I win. It's that I wear them out. They're exhausted from fighting me back. So they say, give her whatever she wants, make her go away. Good. Okay, thanks. Good. Then, I, then I get what I want. I don't take credit. I let them take the credit for it. Sure. Because... It's not me that made the decision. They were just more or less coherent. But I love that, too. Yes, you're not going to say no to a dying woman. Who's right. going to tell a dying woman no? <laughs> so use it, baby. Use it. It's a weapon. Yeah. That's yeah. Now, I'm curious. Uh, yeah. You you, uh, you were uh, raised Jew Jesuits and the Catholic Church and nuns. And has your experience with cancer uh, changed your uh, outlook on uh, organized religion and uh, possible afterlife, any of those things? Uh, uh, have you... No, I think I'm pretty still grounded in the way I've always believed. I'm kind of like a Buddhist Catholic. <laughs> I like the ritual of the Catholicism, but I like the Buddhist philosophy. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe in doing no harm. So I don't, you know, the Buddhists are like that. And so I always do. I just, I'm, I'm kind, as tried to be as kind as I possibly can. But I would like to think that maybe some influence did get in there somewhere, maybe because I'm kinder for it. I don't know. I just, I live my best life every day. Yes, I mean, you. I'm very, I'm so lucky that I recognize that because a lot of people don't realize they get up and they go to work. They get up, they get off of work, they go home, they cook dinner, they clean the house, they clean the garage, and that is it. They turn on the news and fall asleep. What a dull life! Mm -hmm. You could well, be out there doing something. There was a quote that I read to Cindy about that you had said, and you were thankful for uh, cancer because it... Oh, yes. it uh, tell, tell us what you said. I'm thankful for cancer because it's really brought me back in a focus of what it, life is really important. Your friends are very important. Your friends are, you know, who you are as well. 
because my I'll never forget listening to my mother yammer on about don't hang out with those people. You hang out with bad people, you're gonna be one of those people. So I always try to hang I I, I didn't really have a group I hung out with even in college. I was on, on my own. I w- always felt like I was a lone wolf. And th- that's okay because I think I had enough security in me to be able to make a good decision. At least I had the foundations for it. So and if you're given a good foundation early on, you carry it through. I mean, as much as you fight it, you want to fight it because you, you don't want to be like everybody else. I think that is a gift if you can to walk on your own path and not have to be constant need of approval or oh, no. constant need of, 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 of love and, and adoration. It's like, no, I, I see the way I need to go and, and follow your path. Good, good assessment. Again, you n- nailed it right there. Because what I do, is I believe in myself enough to be able to make a good judgment. But by looking at other people, I'm sitting there going, you know, maybe I got some new insight with this latest cancer, but... There's a lot of people out there that are really screwed up. And be, people that could be doing something. To, and I, I know it sounds altruistic, but they could be doing something to make this a better town, a better state, a better world. Mm. Just get out there and do it. I mean, I didn't get trained for this job. I just got out there and did the best I possibly could with it. And then threw in a couple of other things. And it worked. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have worked. It could have failed. It but sounds like it worked because you were born to do it. Maybe it was, Cindy. That fire know. was burning in you early on. I've always had this passion for living. Gary's right. I love the passion is what drives me. And it drives me on projects because it's better for the betterment of mankind. I know this sounds really flippy, but I think we can all add to it and make it better. We really can. There's Even if it's the smallest little thing, getting on a committee, doing something small, getting together with me and fighting the city on uh, so many bonehead decisions they're making. And I will say that gladly. I don't like our city management. I don't like the administration. I Since 82, when I lived here, I watched us so, slowly go like into the toilet. We need to do better than that. We need to do for the people that live here, not for the future, not for the almighty buck that's good, the tax base. Oh, we need another restaurant for the tax base. No, we need another decent restaurant. Like I said, I go to maybe four or five of them. Mm-hmm. I don't go to very many of them because generally I'll make it better and faster at home. I've mm-hmm. got professional equipment at home still, and I still cook for fun. I have another question, yeah. Susan. Shoot, anytime. Um, so this question is, what question did we not ask that you wanted us to? When are we going to air this thing? Oh, whenever you want us to. Well, whenever you feel like it. I okay. Don't, yeah, it. I'm not in a big rush. Just let me know so I can record it or answer. John wants it here. Too. Yeah. What, yeah. what question did we not ask about you that you would have liked us to ask? Well, I think you hit upon all the top questions. How do I feel? What do I think? Where my ideas generate? What drives me? All of those are really important questions, and they it gets a flavor for a person that you don't you just met, or somebody you don't know but would like to know. I mean, somebody could be listening, going, "I want to be active in our community." 
Feel free. I'm um, I'm in on FaceTime and Instagram just to contact me and say you want to do something. I'd love to be able to have your, you know, volunteerism. And and I'm interested in so many things, but mostly politics, mm -hmm. city government, mm -hmm. state government, mm -hmm. world news. Uh, I bring that element into my classes every day because we read the New York Times together in my classes every day. So, so it's the whole context, not one specific topic. No, it's all generated it's by context. my interests, which I feel selfishly mm -hmm. should be their interests as well. Mm. I want to educate them to think that way. And I have proudly changed a lot of uh, conservatives into liberals in my class, even at their extended age. <laughs> That, you know, I, I, I do want to take you up on that because I want to work with the elderly again. I, yeah. I'm, I was a coward because I had a dear, dear friend that I was uh, best friends with. And he was, I met him when he was 95 oh my or 93. And we were best friends till he died at 103. Wow. And it was Howard Burroughs. I love Howard. And, uh, I loved Howard. After he died, I, I was afraid to, it was like uh, I'd lost a lover and I was afraid to to uh, date again because he, they could never live up to uh, Howard. And so Nobody I need to... live up to Howard. Howard. Well, uh, but I need to get back in the saddle. And, but there's and a lot of Howards that need you. That I could, uh, you know, do the work because I enjoy it so much and it's it feels so good. It's comfortable. They can teach you. They can lead you. They're just... Howard was... A mo he was a renaissance man. Mm -hmm. And Howard that we're talking about is... A, I knew him as well because he was one of my students mm -hmm. over at Cyprus. And he was unusual. Mm -hmm. Very, very smart. Very oh, my God, yes. Yeah. He was and a good person as well, a benefactor. He, well... He, and, he gave well, a lot away. He, his name is on the library at the college and the dog oh, figured, park. Did I ever tell you how to, he figured that out? No. What's the cheapest way for me to buy in to get something named for myself while I'm still alive? <laughs> Howard said that to me. I go, well, let me call up the, see what they're offering for benches and, you know, classrooms and whatever. Mm -hmm. I put him in touch with VC Foundation. Oh, my God. And that's how I he didn't got, know that. That's how he got it. But one of the first times we met, I, uh, I asked Howard, I, uh, Howard, because I knew he mm -hmm. was a teacher his whole life. I mean, he taught like uh, biochemistry and biophysics Smart. and stuff. And uh, where did you get your money? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I know I know how he didn't lose his money. If you ever went to buy a, a bottle of aspirin with him, <laughs> I know how he didn't lose his well, you money. Check the price on every one. Yeah, well, this one's three cents per. <laughs> you. Talking about that in yeah, Howard, yeah. here's another gift of cancer. I go to buy something at, say, a thrift store. I look at this and I go, am I going to need this in six months? <laughs> I mean, this definitely makes a lot of financial decisions easy is because you know you're dying and you're not buying something just because you want it. Mm -hmm. it's, do I need it? All of a sudden, my perspective has changed. You have a different landscape entirely. Completely yeah. flipped it. Yeah. And I think it was a gift. It really was a gift. It was not a handicap at all. It was a gift. So I learned how to do this. So I'm going, I went to lunch with my girlfriend, Susan Jordan, Pedro's, sure. yeah, Pedro's wife. She and I go to hit the thrift stores. And then we go out for a hot dog if we can find one that's season. And then, you know, we'll do the thrift stores again on the outside. This time she got one blouse and some custard cups. And I go, that's it? She goes, I don't need anything. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
but did you see anything you wanted? Yeah. So I'm all, you know, I, I buy little gifts for people. It's fun to look in it. Uh, you know, sitting in my backyard, which is now my no, new home. Yeah. I sit at a very large tea, di, uh, dining room table in the backyard. And I let people come over that I want to see. And a lot of people don't even ask. But a lot of people come over and we talk about everything but me. Mm-hmm. So we're talking life. Yes. And boy, I'm learning. I This is the greatest gift ever. I'm learning again. I'm learning more. Mm-hmm. If you talk to anybody older... They'll say that. You know, you got to keep your mind open to uh, learning more stuff. So so tell us, what what's important? What's important in life? Giving back, having friends, thinking uh, how you're uh, helping people. What are you doing to make this world a better place? Or you're leaving this place uh, be, to make it better. Like I said, I've got two projects, and I just picked up a third one today. All three of these projects are going to keep me alive because I'm not going to die until I get them completed. And I convince the other people that they need to have these projects. One is the mental health. Absolutely, without a doubt. Nobody's going to argue that. Senior fraud and abuse, another one that was uh, HBJ. Uh, Hannah Beth Jackson gave me that uh, consulting job to do. And I'm learning about how prominent this problem is and how kids are stealing their parents money this last year we've been locked down pandemic but they thought they weren't being watched they emptied out accounts parents were thrown into the street the living in an assisted living building they were they didn't have the money or if they weren't on medicare or medical which is very common they got thrown out and yeah. it's like I can't let this happen to my people anymore. These are my people. I own these people. These yeah. are my these are my pack, my family. So that's that definitely. I've learned a lot. I'm mm. still learning, you know. I that's what's I, important. I think the the thing that most people don't realize it's it's I think it's a selfish act to do good because nothing makes you feel better. And if that's what the Oh, <laughs> that's a different perspective. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. I I think you know, uh, do it because it makes you feel better. If that, and for no other reason, because true, the you know, do something for uh, somebody else for a change. You know, I could now that you mention it, I can confidently and truthfully say I've never done anything for personal gain in seventy-three years. I don't know how. I wish I could tell you, hey, I did this because I got an award. I don't even want the awards. I mean, they're nice, don't get me wrong, but I don't need these to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my husband, is he's more proud of me than I am about doing the awards, getting the awards. And because I'm one of those people, when I finish project, I move on to the next Bandini Mountain really fast. <laughs> and I can take care of that Bandini Mountain too because I'll just wait as long as it takes. Speaking of which... <laughs> What uh, what is your proudest achievement? What is your proudest moment? Oh. I don't think I've had it yet. Oh. Yeah, I don't think I've had my pri- proudest achievement yet. If it's going to be anything, it's going to be the mental health building. Yeah. Because that's that is a insurmountable task, and has been people have been working on this for years. And the one I'm working with just got kicked off as a free secretary to the Board of Behavioral Health. So I said, I will take over. And she says, and she's an attorney. 
and so is her husband and her kid. But I'm taking over. I'm let me run the project. Mm-hmm. And if as long as I got data, you know, I'm uh, tough as nails. I'll go in and I'll fight with anybody. And I like I said, I don't ask people to pay me back. And but Eric Narzarenko, our DA, paid me back, and I'm grateful to him for me giving me five people out of the DA's office. And there's like over 75 of them that can actually can help me with the job. So I'm I'm not opposed to helping me. Oh yeah, help me, because I'm learning too. But I'm also very stubborn and I'm very opinionated. Big surprise, I know. But opinionated. Shocking. Uh, shocking. But I'll do it. Your proudest moment is yet to come. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I don't think so. Well, we love you. We thank I love you for you. being here. Thank you for inviting me to come in and open up my heart and my soul to you. I don't think I've ever done this before. This is a first. Wow. You're an inspiration to us all. Thank you, I don't Suze. think I really am. I'm well, just doing that's my not job. To, that's not up to, from us to you. That's not up to you to decide. I'm just doing my job. <laughs> and having Chris here. Uh, we had Chris Jensen here shooting the video, and we thank him so much. And and uh, to have a video record of this is, is going to be special. And uh, so thank you. And this is... Uh, well, Chris has taken the best photograph of me that I ever have taken. And that was 15 minutes after a chemo treatment as well. So that's why I looked like I did. But you know, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's dark brilliance. And I love this. Well, like Annie Leibovitz says, I'm not afraid to fall in love with my subjects. Oh, I love you, honey. I still remember the dog. <laughs> anyway. And we're yeah. going to sign off, and this has been Daddy Never Cry. Please go to our website and see how you can submit it, your story. And uh, I want to thank Dr. Cindy Carter and <gasps> Suze Montgomery. You got a title? <laughs> and Chris Jensen, and uh, we'll see you next time on Daddy Never Cried. <laughs>